wake up and get out of bed Don't delay your sleepy head Grab a seat on the couch Listen to what we're talking about In a Saturday morning pajamas Hello and welcome First up a bowl of cereal Grab a spot on the couch And join us in our Saturday morning pajamas I'm your host Jax And in honor of the United States and Canada's annual blow shit up and barbecue days this weekend, I figured what a great time to go back to 1996 and revisit the Roland Emmerich's, Emmerich, I can talk, classic Independence Day. For this podcast, we are going to be talking about specifically the recent release Blu-ray that came out featuring the standard edition and extended edition. In preparation for this podcast, I actually did the thing where I put on pants, went to the store, and bought the deep Blu-ray, my own money. Cost me $9.99 at Target. You can also find it at Walmart and other places. If they're charging more than $9.99, screw them. You can get it cheaper. For those who don't feel like putting on pants, you can also buy it, find it on Amazon. I do have a link at the blog post at nonoms.net for you to purchase from Amazon. So, easy peasy, leave me a comment at the blog post, and then go purchase, and we're good. Woohoo! That said, we're going to now talk about the fact that I actually watched the extended edition, even though I haven't seen the original in so many years. Because I kind of want to see what the differences were and see what I would remember. For this week's episode, we're going to be discussing a bit of things I noticed, some plot holes, as well as just rambling. Because that's what I feel like doing tonight. <laughs> for those now who do not recall much of the movie, I'm going to slim it down for you, giving you an idea. Basically what's going on is aliens have shown up above our moon. They have a huge fuck ton mothership that's about quarter the size of the moon, I believe. Uh, 550 kilometers, I believe, were the numbers I pulled. I don't know what these numbers mean. Uh, maybe when I get a chance to see the sequel, I can compare things for you, but until then, Mothership is fucking huge. Mothership breaks off into about 36 different separate little kitty ships and goes around the globe strategically placing themselves. From there, humans don't know what to do. Some humans are scared, some run away, Politicians just sit and do nothing as the ships hover above them. Looking at you, the White House staff. Uh, we got some people that go and party on top of the, well, I don't remember what it was called then, but now it's the U.S. Bank building in L.A. Uh, interesting tidbit, though, for those who might recognize, that villain's been in the news recently as the, as the, 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 as the location for the sky slide. You know that big glass slide you can ride on the outside of the building from the 70th to 69th floor? I say you because I'm going on that thing. Hell no. But yes, interesting tidbit there. That's the building if you're wondering what it was. So some people go there because they want to greet the aliens because surely nothing bad is going to happen. Uh, shit goes down. Aliens get pissed. We then destroy about 85% of our military and in the first attack. Everything goes to hell. Somehow, Jeff Goldblum is able to figure st- shit out above all the scientists in the U.S. He knows things. And so him, President Bill Pullman, Will Smith, who's an Air Force pilot, and his girlfriend and her son, who somehow make it out alive, get into that later, they all end up at Area 51, where we find out we didn't know about aliens, and then we plan a counter-strike, and Randy Quaid basically probes the spaceship and kills it. I have no better words. 
The end fireworks. Da 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 da. Now about sound up. Good. So now before I get into a few little tidbits I noticed and a few little discussions I want to point out, I do want first cut away from one and give a little shout out to one of my fellow podcasters. And here's a little promotion they worked up for us. Hey there, Saturday morning pajamas. This is Whiskey TK. Jacob. <laughs> Cody. And it's your boy JT. It's your boy. We are. Black Market Cheese! Did you die? You yeah, do a segue, right? Got me. Settlers of Catan is different every time you play it. <laughs> so, it's the most outrageous thing it's I've so ever out. seen. Insert coin to continue. Check us out on YouTube, iTunes, and Google Play. And you can also contact us at credit number two, continue on Twitter. And we're out! One more shout out for my friends right there. You should definitely go check them out when you're done here. Uh, but let's move on with our little discussion today, shall we? So one of the things that had me intrigued while watching the movie, and it was actually a main point of discussion throughout the whole film, was how did the aliens choose where to position their 36-ish kitty ships? One could say, well, they picked the most populated cities, except that's not true. I know we're looking at numbers for today and not 20 years ago. For the most part, U.S. only had one city on that list, and that was New York which was 22nd in population in the world. Yet somehow in the movie, we have a mothership over D.C., L.A., New York. It was one over Houston, but I think that was actually the L.A. one that just moved. So let's just, for safety's sake, say there was three in the United States alone. That doesn't make quite much sense. Just, again, we're going by population, as well as with L.A., a lot of the population is spread out. There are surrounding areas. You guys are trying to traffic, but in California... Us motherfuckers drive everywhere. So you it's not unusual to commute for two hours to work one way. It, it doesn't really strike me as being most populated. And more so how the aliens know they're most populated. It doesn't make sense unless they've been interpreting our radio and satellite signals for years. I know, I know there was the Area 51 alien, the three that were in the scouting mission. Maybe they got some information. But now we're looking at something that was, oh gosh, like 30, 40 years before. I'm talking about times, um, population changes in 20 years. A lot's happened since then. Um, in addition, even if, like, say they were going for most populated or they were going for two sales, they knew where to get us, you have to have a reason for why were they over the U.S. Bank Tower in L.A.? I mean, it holds significant for us and probably a really great shot. Uh, I don't know words. But basically a good shot for the filmmakers, but really what made the aliens choose that? More so, the Empire State Building, that was targeted in New York, that's not the tallest building. Not today, not back then. So I'm curious like, what made them choose that as well. It's just something I want to open up for discussion here. Another point I'd like to bring up is just how the movie is really polarizing and we have certain characters that are just made to be the best, the brightest, and these characters really, while they're they're good characters and they do have great qualities, they're not leaps and bounds above everyone else as I'd like them to be. So then we make everyone else stupider by comparison. What do I mean? Well, let's take David, Jeff Goldblum's character, the scientist. He has he gets someone who just texts the code to know when the aliens will strike. He is the one that figure out how to figures out how to fly the alien spaceship. He is the one who does the whole figure out the cold thing, give it a virus, all of that. He's the one who figures this out. Compare that to the scientist at Area 51, and there's actually a deleted scene where he's called a show-off or 
something similar, I can't remember the exact word, because they hadn't figured out any of this. I mean, I suffice to say, I can't believe that he is the only one who'd gotten any of these things. It, it's just, it's very impossible, and so why, how incompetent do these look at? Another example is Will Smith's character, Lieutenant, Captain, whatever, Hillard, where he is really good at dogfighting and he is able to do all these great things and you know help with the alien spacecraft fight and live through all this. Surely there must be at least someone else who could do seemingly decent work as well. But no, we learned that most material is gone and Will Smith is great. And then we're left at the end with having to have the ragtag group of Randy Quaid help us fly. It just doesn't make there. Rounding out my argument is going to be how the U.S. apparently are the only ones who can do shit or figure shit out. Um, at the end, once we figure out how to take down the ships and we're all sending messages through Morse code, all the other countries are sitting around with their thumbs up their asses just waiting for us, apparently. There's actually a line by, I believe it was a British soldier, um, I don't remember the exact words, but it was basically... Good, the Yanks have something. Or it basically was akin to, oh, good, now we know what to do. It, it's just so far from normal writing that it's just insane. I I really don't have more to say on this because I just I just can't. So moving on, <laughs> why don't we talk about a few things that I just noticed? That's while I was watching the movie. Uh, I took like three pages of notes. Apparently, you can do that with this movie. Yeah. Um, but let's see what we have. Okay. So contrary to what all the trailers and your members have you believe, Will Smith does not show up in this movie until 22 minutes. And even then, it's barely a glimpse. We still have a few minutes past that before we actually see any character or talk to him or see him not sleeping in bed. And I just was so, like, dumbfounded. Like, really? I thought he showed up much sooner. But, hey, it happened. For those who do not recall, for all you great TV nerds out there, you may have missed this. But did you know that Adam Baldwin was in this movie? Yes, he is the... Well, first, if you don't know who he is, he played Casey in the show Chuck. He was Jane in Firefly. And, oh, God, here's a bunch of other stuff, too, that my brain just decided we're not going to remember right now because I'm talking. Ooh. Either way, he was the person, security guy at Area 51. He was the one who had to let everybody into the alien clean room when the president first got there. He's also the one that shoots the soda can off the alien ship, and I believe he does a little bit more a little bit later in the movie, but he has a little bit bigger role than making it out to seem, but I was like, hey, it's Jane. Where's Vera? <laughs> oh, crap. I did remember something else I need to go back to in my whole, why are you writing such perfect characters and making everyone else seem stupid just because those other characters weren't perfect? Going back to that, what the fuck is wrong with people? Okay, so it's time to evacuate the White House and L.A., they know things are going, they have to, like, the signal's coming, what we wait just so we can kill the president and the, the vice president and the first lady. Then, when at 26 minutes out, we know the aliens are going to come and attack Area 51, we sit around on our asses until it's about five minutes till impact, and we remember, hey, we're 24 stories below the Earth's surface. What's going to happen to all those people in RVs standing up on the tarmac? Hmm, shall we invite them in? I mean, seriously, that that is such a huge oversight that I just, it boggles my mind, and moving on. <laughs> uh, you know what? I think I need a break for a moment so I can collect my thoughts. 
So let's just take a moment to hear from another one of my fellow podcasters, and then we'll continue right on back. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Out of Work Sidekicks podcast. We'll have one expert and one idiot, and you and we won't be able to tell which one is which. And we are your hosts. My name is Justin. And my name is Jeremy. We are a weekly podcast that talks comics and sci-fi, movies, TV shows, books, and everything in between. Including the age-old question, how would Bugs Bunny win in a fight with Marvel's Division? And where can you find this wonderful podcast, you might ask? Well, you can find us on facebook.com slash Sidekicks. Or by searching The Out of Work Sidekicks. You can also find us on Instagram, The Out of Work Sidekicks, all one word. Or on Twitter, at OOW Sidekicks. Or you can email us at The Out of Work Sidekicks at gmail.com. So, where can you subscribe to this wonderful show, you might ask? Well, you can find us on iTunes or on the Google Play Store or wherever else podcasts are found. So, if you're into comics and sci fi, give us a listen. Bye. Ah, I can ride a bike again. Um,. Oh, this isn't The Simpsons, and I'm not drama cooler trying out for a hemorrhoids commercial? Oops. <laughs> no, that's better. Now that I have my thoughts back together, let's continue. Why not discuss right now just a few of the deleted scenes? Letting you know what's, you know, where we learn. Well, in the terms of Randy Quaid's kid, the youngest one, that just never seems to be very well. I remember it was touched upon that he was always to be, like, sweating and have fever, but they really didn't go into things. Basically, the kid has a sickness. It's hereditary. We know his mom had a similar disease. We know medicine's expensive. We know he needs penicillin. And apparently, it's his adrenal cortex. It makes no sense for what they're talking about. And I, I just gotta say, while it's nice that we give a reason for the sick kid, it it, it was better on the kind room floor because it makes no fucking sense. <laughs> We also have going to spend a few extra minutes with David and his father in the car on their way to Washington, D.C. Because that's what I want to see is two grown men bickering about someone's love life. Yes. We as well have this really great, and by great I mean, oh my god, I hate you scene. When the aliens are attacking, there's a dogfight going on up above and Will Smith's in space. We see the president's daughter, Will Smith's fiance's son as well as the Randy Quaid's daughter, all below the surface with the ground, with all the shaking and chaos going on. The girl, who looks to be like 12, is sitting next to a, a boy, and she apparently has boys on the brain, and I'm sitting there going, please don't say it, please don't say it. I don't want to die a virgin. Oh, we're in Nicholas Sparks territory or some shit, I don't know what now. Um... To their credit, though, the boy did not take advantage and said, if we both die, you won't be the only one, or, or something like that. I was just like, well, that certainly adds to the movie. But, you know, it, it, yeah, moving on. Um, Really, besides those instances, it was really just a few extra scenes here or there. We, not extra scenes, but we, a few scenes were drawn out a bit more. We did have a scene of David being left inside the aircraft, which I might have mentioned earlier. I can't recall right now. Um, overall, I don't think the scenes took away from the movie, from the original at all. They really didn't add to it. They're just kind of like, oh, that's interesting, moving on. Uh, so, overall, great movie. Um, what do I have to say if my final verdict? Good movie. Does it hold up? The CGI actually holds up really well. And I believe that's because they did do a mix of practical effects, 
similar to Jurassic Park, we were just on the cuts of being over CG. So this had a good balance. Uh, there were a few parts where the CGI was a bit grainy or slowed down, but overall it was pretty good. I could go into the fact of how fire does not move that slowly, the alien flames would have obliterated you, and oh my god, that fire is moving slower than the lava and volcano. But those are arguments that have been had said before, probably the first time you saw the movie. Overall though, I think it's a great film, and I think you all should check this out. I invite you to tune in next week on Wednesday when we go into another movie. I'm hoping it's going to be Independence Day Resurgence. If not, it'll be something just as good, and I'm looking forward to it. So, everyone, I hope you all enjoy your weekend. Thank you for tuning in. Again, leave me a comment. Let me know what you think at nonoms.net. Check out the Blu-ray there, uh, Blu-ray Amazon link on the blog post as well. Or just give me a shout-out. I don't care. Love to hear from all my listeners listening on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play Music, wherever you are, that's great. If you haven't heard of some of these services, you should really check them out because you can actually find many more podcasts that are great to listen to. And thank you. Until next time, bye.